Hi, I'm Rebecca Pete, And I'm Rebecca Cochran. And, and welcome, welcome to Woven, where we strive to be Christians living in the world with intention. And our prayer is that, to paraphrase Mary Zimmer, the Christ who knew Mary and Martha would show us the way of balance. Thanks, Thanks for listening. Hey guys, welcome to episode 132. We're talking about having a spirit of playfulness today. And we wanted to cover this because it is definitely an area of growth for both of us. I think, um, and I want to hear what you think about this, but I, I've noticed a trend in my own life where, you know, it's like, if you follow kind of like the traditional path in life, you know, you, you get married, you get the house and it's like, just the responsibilities start piling up. And then I had mm-hmm. children and like, when I had children, I think that's really when play kind of died for me, which is kind of ironic because children are so playful and fun, but you know, it's just, there's just so many responsibilities, you know, like being an Mm -hmm. adult is just so much. And like, um, I think, yeah, I just, I don't, not only do I not prioritize play, but even now as we're talking about this, I don't know how to tell you that I play because I don't Mm -hmm. think I do. And, um, I think that's true for you too. And I think we have a guest on a little later, Courtney Ellis, who is a fabulous pastor and writer, and she's been on the podcast a couple of times, but she, um, makes a compelling argument for why playfulness is actually something we really need to invest in. But what about you? What do you think of your, um, your relationship to play? Well, I think you you were, we were talking before you were, you were talking about how you default default to like taking yourself too seriously seriously and then when it gets really serious you default to humor and sarcasm and I think for me um I my default is like always to be task oriented like it's Mm -hmm. always about task always about task getting the task done like like I think like you were saying a lot most people as adults like feel that's the way they should be like but that's who I am innately like my my um innate like just mo is to be task oriented and efficient and um and so I think that 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 I view play sometimes subconsciously as um being um a distraction from tasks um and it keeps me I I think that I have to use play as a reward instead of an important part of like getting the task done or a part of infusing it into the tasks or like trading off between tasks and play and tasks and play because Mm -hmm. that's healthier my view is is just to keep doing the tasks and then eventually I'll get to play well the problem with that is is that I the never find never an end to the test. Yes. Well, yeah. I, and I think it's a very like American uh, mentality. Um, they always say that America's a three. Um, and I think it's a very American <laughs> mentality that like we'll play when we're like about to die. Like when we retire, that's when we'll play. But yeah. until that, until we have the kids raised, until we, you know, can retire from work, until we have the house paid off and blah, 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 blah. And we're in like retirement mode, then that's when we'll play. But if we play before that, then we're being irresponsible adults or mm-hmm. we are aren't um, living up to our fullest potential or we're not getting the things done. We're being lazy or whatever. Um, or you only play on vacation. So there's like twice a year that you get to play or, <laughs> or whatever, yeah. you know, instead of it, instead of really truly viewing it. And we talked to Courtney about this, but viewing it as like essential, um, like it's a spiritual practice and it's essential to our faith. And it's essential to like actually being good at getting that task done is, mm-hmm. is, is playing um, and infusing it into your life because you actually, um, 
become better at those tasks and that you become more efficient at those tasks if you are doing them either in a playful way or if you're playing more like mixing it in to your um, and to your normal you life shining you know that what happens when you don't play it's all work and no play makes jack a dull boy and then he kills everybody so <laughs> we don't want that to happen <laughs> no we don't <laughs> okay so but surely, like, we have some way that we play, right? Like, there has to be something. I'm trying to think of things. I do play with my children, even though that is my least favorite. I, not, like, hanging out with them is my least favorite, but, like, the role-playing, like, that sort of, like, play dolls, and, like, I, I don't like that stuff. But I do find myself being most playful when I'm with them, like, just being silly yeah. and, like, voices or whatever. Um, so I think kids definitely bring it out in me, but... I don't know. Like, this is sad. I'm not very playful. I think for me, like I, my kids are outside of that stage now. They're not in the role playing, playing with dolls or playing with superheroes and making up story. Like we're out of that. Um, mm-hmm. thank God. Um, cause I, that's not me either. Some Art. people are just really great at that. I don't think I know anyone who actually likes doing that. Like you I do, do it. I know some kids. Really? I, I think I, do, I know some people that really enjoy it and are good at it. Mostly dads more so than moms. Um, mm. But I, um, but I really love sports, any sport, even sports I didn't play. Um, I like any kind of sports. I like um, games for the most. I don't like. There's certain kind of games I don't like. Like I'm not a big game person, but meaning more like I like to play pool and ping pong and all of that kind of stuff. And now that my kids are kind of at the age where that's that's kind of what they want to do and they're more competitive with me so they actually mm-hmm. it's fun to play with them and I don't feel like I need to let them win all the time because yeah. I'm competitive and I don't want to let my kids win <laughs> have you ever let your kids win I don't see that ever having happened I, I have I have but <laughs> um but because I just you know feel like I should because that's the good mom thing to do but I <laughs> I, um, now it's the point where like, they could actually come close to beating me and I still beat them, but I don't feel so bad about it. <laughs> and so, um, so for like instance, like Milo's gotten really good at tennis. And so like her, can, her and I can actually go competitively play a game of tennis. I still beat her, but barely. Um, mm-hmm. and so that's fun. And, or like Nathan and I go into kick soccer. He's actually better at soccer than I am. Or like we went and played mini golf today and like I beat them, but not by like a ton. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, I beat them, but it wasn't like I was mutilating them. Plus I'm not very good at puppet, but, um, (laughs) but you know, like, but see, I enjoy that. Like we took them to whitewater yesterday because this is like the one week of school. Oh, the one week of summer where they're not, uh, we're not on vacation and they're not in a camp. So we're kind of doing like staycation kind of stuff. And like, I love, I love riding roller coasters. I love water parks. I love like that, like the doing kind of stuff like that. Um, so I, we're, we're kind of at a stage now where I'm finding it easier to like, um, play with my kids in quotation marks. But mm-hmm. like when it was, when it was in the dolls and superheroes and all that kind of stuff. And I don't really like Legos and Nathan loves Legos, but now he can build them by himself. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, but I like all of the, I like the stage that we're in now. Um, so I would say that I feel like I do that, those kind of things well, uh, but I still have to tell myself that it's okay that we spent the entire day at Whitewater yesterday and I didn't get anything done at home. You know, yes. like when I really have a lot of things I need to do. So I still have to like, like preach to myself that it's okay to take a day off. I mean, David took yeah. a day off of like real work. 
<laughs> to like go to whitewater with us. Like we can take days off. Like it's okay. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it just realizing that I have to tell myself that, um, that it's important to do those things and just like little things, you know, you know, just, you know, going for a walk or with, you know, taking the dog for a walk or just going to the pool for 30 minutes or whatever it is. Like they're just, those are just little things, but yeah, if I can tell myself to do those things, that helps a ton. So yeah, it's helped me this summer because we go to the pool a lot and like just telling myself to get in because it's like, yeah, I found that freedom where my kids can swim on their own and like, I don't have to be in there. But then I was like, well, it kind of is fun to be in there, you know? Cause so for a while I was just sort of like, oh, I'm going to read my book or I'm going to, you know, whatever. And today I got in with them and it was like actually really fun. I was like, okay, like it's better to, when it's like, I'm not having to make sure they don't drown, you know? Correct. It's much easier when you can actually play like real play with them. Yeah. In the pool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was thinking about this. I think I'm kind of playful. I think I have kind of a playful nature sometimes. Like I, I'm definitely don't, it's weird. Like I take my feelings seriously and I take like my calling seriously, but I also like my house is kind of kooky and I kind of wear like kooky clothes sometimes. And like, so I think, I don't know, maybe I'm more playful than I'm giving myself credit for, I guess. Like, um, I definitely I think- see the opportunity for playfulness in me yeah what? I, I I think that you I I see playfulness in you like you said in the in the in the way you dress and the way you decorate your house but I also I feel like you're I think you're good at um at being present and I think part of playfulness mm. is being present and I feel like you're good at oh, that okay. I'm always I'm always looking like 10 steps ahead and then later yeah. I'm like oh I was just thinking about this the other day we were driving home from dinner it was just me and the kids because Dave was out of town and they had talked to me to take them out to dinner. And I was like, gladly, I didn't want to cook. And so I took them out to dinner and we were driving home and it just rained and the sun was coming back out. So we were like scanning the sky or I'm driving or scanning the skies for um, rainbows. And I kept finding the rainbows because I'm up front, you know, driving so I can see better than they can. And I'm like, I'm like, we just really had a really good time trying to find the rainbows. And that's not normally my personality but it was just like a fun little thing and it wasn't that hard to do we were driving and we were looking out the window it's not that hard to like and the kids were loving it like it was so fun and then one of them would find a rainbow and one of them wouldn't and um, yeah I was just like oh you know like that wasn't that hard to do but they really enjoyed it and it was like a 10 minute drive home you know it's just but that was being present because what I could have been doing is let them talk in the back and think about the next 10 things I need to do and instead I was like right then in that moment was thinking about what we could be doing right now. But that's not my natural tendency is to live in the moment or the present. And I think that's a big part of playfulness is being present. And I'm just not good at that. Yeah. I think I, I make things playful for other people a lot, but like when I started to think like, what do I do aside from like my everyday things, but like, like if I feel like I need to play, like I honestly, I think for me, a lot of it is rest Mm-hmm. It's just the chance because I feel like I have to be productive all the time, which looks different than what you think being productive is, you know. But I think we both share that struggle of feeling like I need to be productive. So I feel like if I'm, if I feel like I need to be creative, it's like I have to be making like a really nice painting. Like I can't just like doodle on a page and call it good. Like it has to be like for something. There's no like doing things just for the sake of, I mean, there is because I work on it, but like generally I, I'm not good at just like, doing stuff because I want to and because it sounds fun. 
Or I'm like, well, I should be more of the roller coaster person because I don't like roller coasters. And, and that's what people, that's what play, you know, it's like, I try to like define it so narrowly, but it's really just, I think whatever makes you feel lighter. Yeah. And, and I think for me, so you're talking about roller coasters or whatever you think is like, should be play, but you're not like for me, I I think for a long time, I thought silliness was play and I don't Mm -hmm. do silly. I'm not really a silly person. Mm -hmm. Like I don't, I don't. And don't want to like dress up for costume related things or yeah, yeah. like put on a part or just be silly, you know, dance silly or whatever. Like that's yeah. just really my personality. <laughs> I thought for a long time that meant I just wasn't a fun, playful person. But I think it, there's lots of facets to being fun and playful. I think you can be fun and playful. Like one of the things for me that I think I do do well is I do enjoy like telling a story which borderlines mm-hmm. to turn into exaggeration sometimes, but so I have to watch that. Uh, they say it's all, it's the 57% Irish um, in me, I think. But um, I, I do like to tell a good story um, and I have fun telling a good story. And so, and I, but I have to find those lines between embellishing and gossiping and telling stories, yeah, but, yeah. Um, and, but just like telling a good story for a good story. Um, that's fun for me. Like, but that's not silly. Um, and, but I used to think that like I had to be silly to be fun. Like even as a teenager or young, mm-hmm. young kid, like I just, I don't, I don't want to do silly string. I don't want to like play pranks. I hate pranks. Like any of that kind of like silly stuff. That is, is, see, and I don't like any of that stuff. Um, and so, but, so I thought that that meant I was a boring person, but it's just been good to think about this, to find like, there's lots of different ways to play that makes us not boring people. That makes us human. Um, that we enjoy doing, like you said, that make us lighter. It just looks different than other people. We just can't pigeonhole, you know, um, yeah. what play is. Yeah. Cause Disneyland so. is my own personal hell. And see, and I would go to Disney World once a year, every year, if I could. I just, I, <laughs> and everyone's like, did you have so much fun? I'm like, I, I love know. it so much. I love it I so hated, much. I hated every minute and I wanted to go home and it was terrible. But and I then we went to Universal. We went to Universal this year and it was even better. Harry Potter World was amazing. Like, so like, (laughs) I love that. So I'm so, see, we all have everything, but then you enjoy things. Like, I would rather stab myself in the eye with a letter opener than watercolor. Like, I would not do that. (laughs) So, so, I mean, we all have different things, right? Like, that are like playful fun for us. Thinking too, like if play is also makes you lighter, I think too, it's being present, but I think it's also being receptive to it and just being available. Cause I think, yeah. um, I thought of my dog Murphy and like, you know, if anyone has a dog, it's like, he could just be doing nothing. And you'd be like, Hey Murphy ball. And he just like, he's like, always like, yep, I'm ready. Like, let's go, let's go throw the ball. Let's go for a walk. Like he's always like ready. Like, whereas with all of us, we're just like, even if it's something you want to do a lot of times we drag our feet like, okay. You know, it's like, it's not, we're not very, receptive to it like we kind of mm-hmm. have to be convinced to do something fun and mm-hmm. or I do anyway but like I don't know I was just thinking about my dog and the people I do know who are like that are usually just kind of up for anything and I yeah and I don't think it has to be like your personality but I I do think that's something we can train ourselves to do yeah I think we also, and we, we talk a little bit about this with Courtney, and I think this is an important part of it. Um, being playful and having a, like a spirit of playfulness um, requires vulnerability. And we talked a little bit in the interview about Brene Brown and her views on that too. But like, it is really, um, 
I, I don't like being vulnerable. And so I think a lot of playfulness or silliness or being present or living in the moment or whatever requires vulnerability. Um, and it kind of exposes you a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Um, you, you have to let your guard down and I yeah. like to live with my guards up. <laughs> I like my walls to be up. I like to like present a facade and I, that's not the facade I want to present. Um, when I, that's when you border into like think, taking yourself too seriously. Like just, then I'm taking yeah. myself cause I have to, I, you know, I need to be this well-educated, serious person who knows lots of things and is responsible. And that's how I want people to view me. So if I do something silly, then, then that's gone, which they're not mutually exclusive. You can be a responsible, knowledgeable, intelligent, you know, worldly person yeah. who also can ha- be silly and have fun. Like that's a great combo of personality, but like my, I, I put up guards, like you have to let your guards down to be that way sometimes. And I know people that are great at that. I know people that are really, you know, that are, they do live up to all those standards, but they also know when to have fun. And um, I, that's a very well-rounded, mature person, I think. Well, that's and a I, pride, isn't it? Yeah. It's oh, not pride. Too. It's just the part of you pride. that doesn't want to. Yeah. I mean, we all have that for some extent, you know, it's like, it's just yeah. that part of you that doesn't want to, you know, that wants to control the narrative. It's like, we want to control how we're seen and what people think of us. And if I do this and, you know, they're not going to buy that I'm actually like this or whatever. And yeah. 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 Which is why I, I love dogs and kids because they're playful and they know if you suck. And they also don't give a crap about anything. And I wish I was a little bit more like that. <laughs> they just don't care. I know. So, okay. So thinking through summer, some things I'm thinking, yes. um, I've done, a, okay. What have I done? I got in the pool. I said that that was fun. I mean, I don't like avoid the pool, but I just like, I would rather be alone and read a book and not have yeah. to like engage in a pool and get splashed by other people's children. So I did that. That was fine. <laughs> um, I told you about the food fight, right? We're going to have yes. a food fight. That's manufactured a hundred percent. I'm just doing it um, because my kids want to, and I want people to think I'm a good mom. Just kidding. Not really. Um, so we're doing that. I'm trying to think what else I can do. That's playful. Hmm. I have my wackiest earrings come out in the summer, like birds fruit. Like you don't even know what's going to be. I look like the Chiquita banana lady. No, Carmen Miranda. Um, okay. Carmen so <laughs> what about you? What do you think? You said you so, all had like a very fun week this week. Yes. And, and we have lots of trips and things planned and um, coming ahead for the summer and camps for the kids and all that stuff. And I think, I'm also trying to say yes more because my default default mode is no. And like my kids, of course, watched Yes Day on Netflix. And I'm like, we're not having Yes Day because I think that's stupid. I'm like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But I don't think that's the whole point of the message. The point of the message isn't that you should have a Yes Day. I think the point of the message is we need to think about how the fact that we say no all the time and yeah. then we need to say yes more. And so I've been trying to say yes more, like to white water in the middle of the week. Or to go into playing mini golf, even though the closest mini golf place to us is 30 minutes away. Um, or like just saying yes to things. I don't have to say yes to everything. And that doesn't mean our whole summer revolves around the kids or whatever. But yeah. like they don't have a lot of time during the year. Like they both play very competitive sports, which means they're in school all day. And then they have sports all day. 
And then the weekends are playing sports. We don't have a lot of time during the year to do fun stuff. And so I need to be more receptive to that and and more open to when they ask me. And I mean, it was not hard to go to Whitewater. It was not hard to go play puppet. Like, yes, I had to take time out of my day. But it really wasn't that big of a deal. Why we say no. Yeah. You know, I think we like build things up as like, oh, it's too hard or, oh, yeah. I have to like do all these things. And it's like, it's not, yeah. I mean, like some things are a big pain in the butt, but they're yeah. usually worth it, aren't they? I mean, yeah, yeah. I don't know. But I think, yeah, it's like we, I think too, it's, it reminds, I, I feel like if you're like a professional or a mom or someone who has a lot of stuff on your plate, it can feel like you're just always doing so much that it's like, you know, it's like we went from being completely like not having boundaries. I feel like societally, like everyone was just sort of like, whatever you need, I'm there. I'm a yes person. And then now I feel like we all are very good at boundary, you know, like with person, you no, know, like yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and we're just like, no, I'm protecting my time. And it's like, there's a middle. And I think a lot of us are just like still learning to say no, that it's like, no, I'm just gonna say no to everything. <laughs> I get like yeah. that sometimes, but yeah, I mean, that, it definitely, I don't know. There's definitely a middle there. And I think we just have to like think before we. I think that you bring up an interesting point too. I think um, a lot of us struggle to have fun um, during the pandemic. That doesn't mean we didn't like find new hobbies and find ways to like survive and things like that, that mm-hmm. were fun. That's not what I mean. It was just a very serious year. It's been a very serious year and a half. And, you know, the whole thing this summer is hot girl summer and all that kind of stuff, which, you know, is silly and Instagrammy and whatever. But I do the, the idea of, you know, people talked about the roaring 20. It's like after, you know, after World mm-hmm. War I, the roaring 20 and like that, maybe that's what we're moving into. And so I think it's a, a renewed sense of like, we just came out of a really hard time. It, we had to sacrifice a lot. Uh, we had to grieve a lot and we're still grieving a lot. There's a lot of PTSD and all that kind of stuff, but also like there's a lot of new freedoms and like we need to mm-hmm. like lean into those freedoms. And so I think, I think that's why this is a relevant topic too is because we're like having to relearn how to have fun. I was reading, I think it was, yeah. it was either an NPR article or a Atlantic article. And this, this doesn't relate to you as much as it does to me, but someone wrote in and was like, I used to be an extrovert and the pandemic turned me into an introvert. And I definitely feel that. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like I'm ha- having more trouble saying yes to like fun or social things when I used to like default to say yes. And I probably said yes too much, like you were saying, but now I'm like, my default is to like stay in all the time mm-hmm. and like come up with excuses about why I can't go hang out with you. I mean, I've made a lot of excuses lately. So, yeah. And my friends listen to this podcast since I'm telling you I've made excuses <laughs> um, because like I've just become comfortable with being introverted and there's nothing wrong with that. Like you're an introvert. That's not a bad thing, but like I, I need to like relearn how to like be social and um, have fun with other people <laughs> and be with my friends again, you know, cause that's a part of friendship yeah. is having fun with your friends, you know? So I'm not describing about the pandemic. No, I don't think it changes whether you're introverted or extrovert. I think it's more like, I think we're all just like in trauma. And I think mm-hmm. that we're scared and we don't, I think it's like a combination of like, we're all super awkward or I am, you know, like there's so much social anxiety and just like, we don't know how to be anymore. Like I just ran into someone at the pool I haven't seen in two years since 2019. Cause we, we were like pool friends and it was like, 
I almost didn't want to say hi because I was just like, I don't want to do this whole like, eh, how was the pandemic? I was great. Yeah, like I just didn't want to do it. But I was like, I'm gonna say hi. That's like crappy to not say hi. But I just felt, I mean, it was like it took so much energy to have that conversation. I was like, what is wrong with me? Like it, I used to talk to people all the time. And like, but anyway, I think we're just all like very rusty and weird. Mm-hmm. I think so. But too. I don't think that changes where we get our energy from, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. And I agree that overall, I'm an extroverted person. Once I actually say yes to something, it doesn't drain me like it would an introvert. Um, yeah. But it's like, I, my default is no right now. And my default is PJs and Netflix. And so I'm having to kind of like figure out how to crawl back out of my hole. Just taking a little bit <laughs> to crawl back into my hole. I've like not I've said alone. no to a lot of social things that I would have never said no before. So, and that's how I, I, I really do. That's part of my fun is like hanging out with people, like, yeah. you know, in whatever way. And so, um, and so I, I need to like re-figure out how to say yes again. I think part of that is like during the pandemic, I would get my PJs at like 6 p.m. Um, maybe I don't need to get my PJs at 6 p.m. So that if somebody... <laughs> Somebody texts me at 6.30 and says, hey, you want to come over for a little bit? I'm not already in my PJs, you know? <laughs> Maybe I go back to a normal lifestyle yeah, <laughs> so that right. I can say yes to more things, you know? <laughs> I know. So. I need an outfit for that time. Like, if you've been doing something and you've gotten, like, sweaty or, like, you've been at the pool or whatever, in that, like, middle period between when you get yes. home and then, like, you're making dinner or whatever and then... You don't want to put pajamas on yet, but you don't want to sit in your like sweat or your wet bathing suit. Like, what do you wear? I'm just, this has nothing to do with our conversation. I just, I don't know what to wear. I have a couple moo-moos, but you know, as I'm getting older and less and less attractive every day, they're less like ironic and cute. And it's more like, oh no, why are you wearing a She's the moo-moo lady. <laughs> it's not cute anymore. So I <laughs> I need something. Is this what loungewear is for? But then it's like, I don't want to yeah. like dirty a new outfit with like loungewear. Cause after the pandemic, that is my outfit. So yeah. I just <laughs> don't know what to wear in that strange period of time. So I tend to, this is what I do. This is, I mean, this is our, this is our little side note part of the, um, part of the episode here. So this is my go-to in summer. I wake up in the morning and don't take a shower. I put workout clothes on, take the kids to swim practice, come back, do a few things around the house. And then I put my bathing suit on and we go back up to the pool. And then I come home and I take a shower and I do put loungewear on. So you just like, wear loungewear all day. Yes, but I don't okay. wear, it's not the same stuff I got nasty and worked out in. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. just switched to loungewear that's clean, but I can wear it several days in a row now because I put it on after I shower. Okay. Is that what you do? You just kind of yes. wear it for a few days and then you put yes. your pajamas on. So now you've changed clothes yes. four times. Yeah. Summertime. Welcome to it. Oh, drives me crazy. <laughs> I, I have one of those like, in a wet bathing suit. Ooh, I, I don't know. like, it's so gross. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I need to up my loungewear. It just be more of it. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> or not my moves. We don't live in the kind of neighborhood where you like close your door. Like people, People show up and you're just like, oh crap, hold on. Uh, not decent. <laughs> so it doesn't happen to me, which is weird because you think my neighborhood would be like that, but it's not. I would think your neighborhood would be like that. Nobody shows up unannounced. Children show up unannounced. Adults don't show up unannounced. <laughs> oh. 
Okay, so we're gonna maybe I should get playful loungewear just to bring there it. There you go. I did recently buy pajamas that have hidden jungle animals and it makes me very happy. Maybe that will you be showed them to be a Marco Polo. Oh, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I have nothing to talk about. I'm so boring. Um, so Rebecca has new pajamas, <laughs> and the other Rebecca went and played putt putt. I did. I did. It was so fun. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I, I think I'm just trying to learn how to be more present and how to say yes more um, and not, like, it's a, it's a spiritual discipline for me to not get all my tasks in a day. So I think yeah. some people, it's a spiritual discipline to that for them to actually do their tasks. Yeah. Um, it's a spiritual discipline to me to get to the end of the day and be like, you know what? I didn't finish it all. And it's okay because I'll be there tomorrow. But like in my non-spiritual state, um, I think that I have to get them all done every day and check them all off every day. And, yeah. and so I'm just trying to learn a lot more about how it's okay. Like that something waits a few days. I mean, obviously there's the important stuff like our air conditioner went out yesterday and it was a horrible night last night. And I was on the phone immediately this morning because I want my air conditioner. So there's like things that take priority. Um, but yeah. like lots of things like right now, my closet's a complete disaster because we redid like parts of our bathroom and it made the closet a disaster. And I need to go take care of it. But like I just keep, t- but we did white water yesterday and we put, put golf today and I have some other stuff to do tomorrow. Like it may not happen until this weekend. Like old me would have like had trouble going to sleep. Yeah. And I just keep telling myself, like, the closet's not going anywhere. Like, that's a yeah. that that can wait a second. Like, it's not like I can't use my closet. It's just, like, things need to be, like, kind of put back in order. But, like, yeah. that can wait until I have a day where I don't have anything to do. Like, why do I feel like I need to, like, cancel a bunch of plans so I can do that? So, and then that is that, that, a spiritual act for me to say that yeah. can wait a few days. You know? Like, that's not a priority. So, yeah, I'm glad. But some people, to some people would leave their closet forever and never go fix it, and it's a spiritual discipline for them to say, "I need to go fix my closet." <laughs> yeah, you know, and so it, you just have to. I think it's part of maturity is like, you know, becoming more self aware. Um, and I pray that's what I'm doing, becoming more self aware about that kind of stuff, and also not being so self conscious, like yeah, worrying about, about what people think about me so much and. Do I look silly? And if I do X, Y, and Z funding, does that make me look like a non-responsible person or unresponsible person? Irresponsible. I think that's the actual negative term. Uh, (laughs) You know, I I can still be task-oriented and have fun. Like those things aren't separate. Yeah. I think I just want to, I feel like I take everything seriously because I really want to do a good job. Like, you know, most of my relationships, I think like, my spouse and my kids and stuff like that. Like I just, and then I forget to have fun because it's like Mm -hmm. when things are important to me, I just get really serious about them. And I really struggle to bring levity into the situation. And I just need to do that because no one's like grading my parenting, you know? And I feel like us millennials, especially us like elder millennial. Well, I don't know what, what are you a millennial? You're not. No, I'm not. I'm the, Xennial generation. I'm between okay. Gen X and Millennial. There's a 1979 to 1982 is like this middle generation. Um, okay. we're, we're called Xennials because we're like a mix of Gen X and Millennial, but you're definitely a Millennial. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm a, I'm an elder millennial is what I'm. Yeah. Calling. That's, that's um, super fun. Or geriatric. Speaking of fun. But, um, I feel like we're also earnest with like our parents, mm-hmm. you know, like we're so, cause like our parents were, you know, no one got a sex talk and no one knew anything. And then we're all yeah. like overly, you know, trying to make up for that sort of thing yes. and trying to be just, we, we try really hard to be good at what we do. And, and I feel like too, in our society now, it's like, everyone's kind of an activist and everybody has like a social justice thing they care about, which is great. But it's also like, we just take ourselves so seriously all the time. Yeah. And, and I feel that a lot. And I think, I mean, do you feel that? Is this just, no, 100%. I was thinking about this the other day, you know, I follow a lot of great people on Instagram and I'm, I'm not going to name any names, but I follow a lot of great people on Instagram that are really into like whatever act, activism thing they're in and I learned so much from each of them but there's certain ones that I feel like okay every day is just so heavy oh, I meet mean, I mean so and, many people I like I, and it's and it's and I and nothing they say is wrong for the most part I agree with them it's just every day is just so heavy and then I have other friends or people I follow I wouldn't call them friends but people I follow on Instagram that like highlight a lot of really important topics and like talk about really serious things, but also interjected in there. Like mm-hmm. we get a view into their personal life and their hobbies and things that they find fun. And it doesn't take away from the serious stuff that they educate yeah. me on. But like, I see that they're a whole full human being. And then I look at these other people that I also learn a lot about. And I'm like, do you ever have any fun? Do you ever, do you have any other hobbies besides being really passionate about this one subject? Well, and so nature is that yeah. if someone's like that all the time, you, you unfollow them because you're just like, I can't like, you're like, yeah, you're a it's bummer. Just too much. Like you don't want yeah. to be a bummer. Yeah. And, and, and I think that we, some, sometimes people are so positive. They need to be bummed sometimes. I'm not saying we shouldn't like think about hard things, but like there has to be a balance in there. And just like everything yeah. we talk about on Woven about balance, like I think yeah. as Christians and as, and just humans, we need to learn like part of maturing, I think is finding the balance, like being yeah. serious and, and don't ignore the hard things and talk about the hard things. Like we were saying with your parenting, like we don't want to ignore those conversations that we need to have, but we have to balance that with fun because I don't think our kids are going to remember the hard, serious things we say, unless we also like are present with them and have fun with them. Like if we can figure out a way to do both of those things together, then I feel like they're going to get more out of our parenting than if we just like are, obviously if you're fun all the time and don't talk about any hard things, that's bad. But then only talking about hard things all the time and taking everything too seriously, that's not good either. Well, do so. you think this kind of goes back to like an over-responsibility, which is trying to be God for our yes. family and the people in our yes. lives and not not having Jesus in his proper place so that then yes. we think we're God, which none of us can, uh, yeah. you know, that crumbles everybody in a different way. It either inflates your ego or it makes you yeah. crumble in a pit of despair. And it's like, that's what we're doing. And it comes full circle to like, Jesus was playful, but it wasn't because he was flippant or anything like that. It was because he had, he, he knew who he was and whose he was and he knew things were important. And like, he was God for crying out loud, but it's like, he also, he did, he was a whole person. And he, he, even though he was God, he also like knew his mission so clearly and let God, the father be God, the father to him. Mm -hmm. And he was submitted to someone. And I think Mm -hmm. like, I just think it's such a temptation for all of us. I mean, I know it is for me to, 
to try to be God in your own life. And I think yeah. especially with the way social media is right now and like, you know, it's only been 10 years since we've had Instagram. Like when you start yeah. thinking about that, it's kind of, I'm like, what did I do with those four hours of my day 10 years ago? <laughs> like truly it freaks me out. And, um, but I think we just, we just take ourselves so seriously and we just think we're so important and we're really, we are important to our kids, but you know what? Like I could be a terrible parent and my kids would probably still be okay. Cause I know a lot of people who had terrible parents and are still pretty okay. Like we're important. Don't hear me say yes. we're not, but like, we're not the end all be all of our children's lives or our friends' lives or our work. Yeah. Well, and I think if you're questioning whether, <laughs> whether you're, you're um, being a bad parent or you're, you're not doing things right, then you're probably mostly doing things right. It's the people yeah. who don't like think about this at all that we need to worry about. Um, right. But yeah, like the, the inflation of our own self-importance that like, you know, we, if we do everything the right way, then we're going to like get X, Y, Z results, you know? And mm-hmm. that doesn't mean we, like you said, we're not important and we don't try to be intentional in all of those things. But like, if we're not intentional every second of every day and don't like, like our kids are going to be fine. Our friends are going to be fine. Like why we feel this need that if I don't tell them and I don't share this with them and I don't educate them on this, then they're never going to know, you know? And then, yeah. and then I'm held responsible or whatever. And like, well, I think that's it. I think it goes back to that, that feeling of like the over responsibility is, is not in our heads. I mean, we live in like a cancel culture and we live in a place where like, if you do anything wrong, it's like, I mean, you just get scrutinized and it's exhausting. So I do think people are kind of nervous to make mistakes or be human beings. Mm -hmm. It's like, I feel like we are a lot of this like performative activism and this sort of like all these things we're seeing coming out are, are a response to feeling like, we're not allowed to be human and make mistakes. And, you know, when you, when you feel that way, then it, no one's playful because you're just so worried about messing up. Yeah. You know about you. Yeah. Okay. So before we get on to Courtney's episode, what is one thing before we, cause what we're doing is Courtney, we got a great, a great interview with Courtney that was like over an hour. So we're going to split it into two episodes our July and August episode. Um, and so we're going to kind of, we're going to come back in August and like talk about what we've learned a little bit more about ourselves and play um, and then wrap up Courtney's episode. So we kind of wanted to challenge each other. So like, what is something that in the next month you want to work on in this area of playfulness that you can come back and report to us on? Mm -hmm. I want to give you a challenge and I want you to give me a challenge. Okay. I know what your challenge is. Okay, then tell me your challenge and maybe I'll trigger what my challenge for you is. So you said a million years ago that you love going to museums alone and you never do it. Yep. So I would like you to go to a museum by yourself before August. Okay. Okay. I'll, and I don't care I'll, what I'll the do museum that. is, but the rules are you can't take any pictures or post anything that will make you look smart. And you can't, not that you would. I'm <laughs> Yes, I would. Yes, I would. And and yeah, that's the only rule. You just have to go for the sake of enjoying it. And you're not allowed to use it. You're not allowed to make it productive. Okay. (laughs) That's your challenge. Got it. 
Okay. I will work on that. <laughs> I'm so scared. Oh, What's mine? <laughs> I'm so scared. I don't know. I don't know. Now I feel like I need to have a very, like, mine was very generic. And now I feel like I need a very pointed. You don't. It's okay. Um, well, I, I feel like I was going to say this, but then you've already done it because I saw it on your Instagram when you dropped the girls off at zoo camp and you wandered around the zoo by yourself. That would have been one of my challenges to you because I know how much you like animals in nature. And so I was going to give that to you, but you've already done that one. And so. I could do it again because I only had three hours and that wasn't nearly enough time. <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> I, I could I only have to do the art, the art museum for an hour, three hours. So I had to do it for one. It just wasn't enough. You know, I have never. Okay. So what she's talking about is my kids did a camp at Zoo Atlanta from nine to 12 and Zoo Atlanta is just far enough from my house that it's like annoying to drive back and forth to like take them and pick them up. So the first day I was like, I'm just going to stay here and I'm going to go. Cause I was thinking about it and I was like, I have not been to the zoo probably before I had kids, you know, since I was a kid. And then when I had them, you know, I mean, and I was watching all the other parents at the zoo and everyone's the same, you know, you're like rationing out snacks and you're like, look at the lion, honey, take a picture, honey. And it's like, it's just, it's not fun. And you're not observing anything. You're just sort of like, you know, it's just, it's not fun. Actually, I had a chance to like watch an elephant pee and I've never done that. It was like a fire hydrant. And I was like, what? And I saw the, red, we have a red panda at our zoo and I saw his face, which was very, his or her, I'm not sure. Um, I never see the face. I always see like the little fluffy tail in the butt. So I just, I got to see a lot of cool stuff. I saw a sloth move, which is very exciting. Um, and I got to just like sit there and watch them for a while, which is like a whole different thing than like the yeah. quick snapshot, you know? So um, anyway, it was, it was just a totally different experience. And it was really fun. And I thought like, you know, I, I would never have done that. If not, you know, if I didn't like have three hours to kill and wasn't literally stuck at the zoo, but I'm glad I did. So yeah, I was just kind of thinking about other things like that, that I could maybe do, or I don't know. Yeah. I was like trying, I was sitting thinking about it. Um, and I was trying to think, you know, what I, cause you, you did so good. You were so observant for something with me and I'm like trying to think and like, I can't think That's of it. Okay. You know, I was like, I, I was like, well, I know that there's restaurants she wants to try. Should I challenge her to go try a restaurant? Yeah, but I like, I can't really think of like, you know, learning mm-hmm. how to watercolor better. I don't know. You know, I, I don't want to become, could do that. Yeah. But that wouldn't be fun. That would be like me trying to be like good a at task. Something. Yeah. So yeah. Like, I, I'm like trying to like think of something you could just do playfully, but I haven't really thought of anything. I was like trying to think of something creative. I don't have a challenge for you. I'm sorry. Okay, so in July, I have a beach trip coming up. Okay. Okay. And we're going to Hilton Head. So uh-huh. it's very bike friendly. I'm bringing my bike, which is okay. a beach cruiser. And the only time I ever get to ride it is at the beach. Um, I wonder... I mean, one of my favorite things to do is ride my bike on the beach. And I don't do it because there's always other things to do. And, or I'll do it for like 30 minutes, but that's, I could do it for like hours and not get sick of it or tired, but I never do. So maybe, um, maybe I should ride my bike a long time or I'm trying to think now that's so lame though. Okay. It'll be a surprise. I'll think of something that sounds very too. 
Well, no, you're going to go to the museum. Well, what no, but I'm going to try to think of something me? if I can help okay. you. Yeah. This will be I, fun. Tune in August. What did Rebecca do? <laughs> It'll be a surprise. Woo! <laughs> That's so playful of you. What museum do you think you're going to go to? What was the first thing that came in your mind when I said that? To the high, because I, I haven't been to the high in forever and I love the high. Yeah. I need to see what fun, what fun thing they have, like what exhibit they have right now. Not that that's going to change my mind, but just to pump myself up. So, so, so fun. Yeah. So now I just can't forget to do it. I need to write myself a note. (laughs) Oh, I'll I'll annoy you. I'll annoy you. (laughs) Have you been yet? Have you been yet? Did you go? Where'd you go? Have you been yet? (laughs) That's funny. Well, we're going to do something fun and we'll report back. So this will be the first half of Courtney's episode. And then second half will be in August and we'll kind of debrief about what we have learned. So anyway, hope everyone's enjoying their summer. Yeah, everybody try You challenge yourself too. And you can, um, we'll be like checking back in on Instagram and stuff like that. Yeah. So so you let us know on Instagram things that you're doing and how you're challenging yourself because we'd like to hear what you guys are doing too so that's a good idea oh sorry excuse me okay well we're gonna (laughs) I don't think I need to challenge you with that I think you're pretty good at that (laughs) (laughs) that would be a challenge for me um but okay so now we're going to um turn you over to somebody that really knows what they're talking about when it comes to playfulness. I'm going to turn you over to Courtney Ellis and you know, she, she's a friend of the show and most of you know her, but we're really excited about her new book, Happy Now. We didn't really get to say this. I don't think in the interview, but both Rebecca and I endorsed this book and our names and our endorsement will be on the back of this book. That's how much we believe in Courtney's message and her writing and just her as a human. So we hope you enjoy the interview over the next two months and we'll report back on our challenges. But until then, you guys find something fun to do too. All right. Bye. Okay. Bye. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Happy middle of the summer. Man, I'm so excited about it. Summer. <laughs> I'm still, I know. I, I just, yeah. It's, I mean, I don't get me wrong. Kids in school, fabulous. Not having to do spelling test reviews and um, have people out the door at some weird time of the morning that we, none of us should be awake. All of those things. Very excited that um, it's the lazy days of summer. But we're excited that for this episode, this month's episode, we have Courtney Ellis back. Courtney Ellis is a, (laughs) you're getting a round of applause for Rebecca if you can't see it. Um, But Courtney Ellis is one of our multi-time interviewees. Is that the right way to say that? She's been on three times, I think. Um, The first time you were on was episode number 44. And I think we're like on 132. So that was a while ago. Um, It was back in February, 2019. And that's when you were on for Uncluttered. And fun fact, Uncluttered, when we did last May, um, 2020, when we did our 100th episode, pre-100th episode, we released three episodes that were the most popular episodes. um, And yours was number three. So Uncluttered was number three. So um, that got played twice. And then we were on- Out of over 100. Yes. I know. That's crazy. I love it. Um, Our next, um, the next time you were on was for Spiritual Practices when Almost Holy Mama came out. So Courtney is the author of Uncluttered and Almost Holy Mama. 
And then she is also a pastor. And so we had her on to talk to us pastorally when we were doing our marriage series on mutual submission. Um, and those were all in 2019. That was all before, you know, the world ended and all those things happened. But we're so glad that you get to come back um, to us, that we we're all still alive and breathing and pushing through the end of the pandemic. But Courtney, can you share a little bit before we start talking about the new book you have out, a little bit about yourself for any new listeners that we have? Absolutely. It's so fun to be back with you ladies. The world has ended, but we're all still here. So (laughs) (laughs) it is so good to be here. Um, My third book that's coming out this summer is called Happy Now, Let Playfulness Lift Your Load and Renew Your Spirit. And it's about the incredible power of play, um, how a playful life is a life that is just a little bit easier, (laughs) which we all need and how the older we get, and especially as parents, life tends to drain away that joy, that whimsy. And this is a book of permission, permission to go there again, even in tiny little ways that make an outsized difference into the joy of our life. And it's also a book about the spiritual practice of play, that it's not a luxury. It's something that God gives us permission to do, invites us into. Jesus is playful. All of these illustrations and examples Mm -hmm. from scripture of um, how God gives us this invitation and reaches out a hand and says, come with me. Um, Play unlocks our innovation, our creativity, our happiness. And I wrote this book and turned it in, in March, early March of 2020. And then the pandemic happened and my editor was like, you're going to need to revise some segments because it's going to seem a little out of touch when we've lived through all that we've lived through. Mm -hmm. And I really think revising this book in the midst of the pandemic um, saved us. We needed play to survive and Mm -hmm. we needed play to heal. And Mm -hmm. I firmly believe that Jesus and play are two of the most important things as we walk out of this pandemic, out of this hibernation, like blinking into the sunlight um, that when we can start to do these things playfully, it just brings this really deep, deep healing um, that we all need, right? It's been a brutal year differently for everyone, but it's been really hard. So Courtney, you are um, a pastor and an author and you are a wife and a mother to three, correct? And at what age are the kids now? They are eight, five, and two. Eight, five, and two, very, very busy ages. And you have added homeschool teacher to your repertoire, <laughs> to your resume um, this year. I know that was because of the, the pandemic, but um, I was just thinking about, I mean, on top of everything that you do, you added that as well. And to think about that aspect of adding all of that stuff and adding play too. And I think you and I are a lot of like... Um, a little bit alike personality wise, where I think that you can look at pastor, pastor, writer, wife, mother, teacher, and see all the tasks that you need to do. And um, things like play can get put to the wayside. So I guess my first question is, like, what made you want to write this book? Like, did something happen? Did you come to a realization? Did you get to a point where you just you just needed um, a change in life? Like what brought you to this journey? Yeah, you and I, we've talked about this before, Enneagram threes, which are the achiever, the striver, the like, Mm -hmm. we're going to get it done. And that had been a pattern throughout my life, right? That's kind of how I'm wired. And I had gotten to a point where I had, um, you know, I work at a church that I love and we have these children and I kind of pushed and pushed and pushed and gotten to a place 
Um, and I went through a pretty serious health scare and it turned out to be fine. Um, but when I got the good news that I was going to be okay, I didn't, I felt this relief wash over me for a couple of minutes. And then I felt like, oh, but that's what we were going to do for the next few years is we were going to fight this thing. I'm really good at fighting. Like I'm really, you know, not like cage match fighting, but like pursuing, achieving, trying hard. And when I, I was shocked that I didn't feel happy. And that led me into this journey of trying to figure out why, um, what does happiness look like? What does the Bible have to say about happiness? Where, you know, what more would I need in my life to be happy, which was actually the wrong question. Um, cause that's not where happiness comes from. It doesn't come from achievement or success or possessions or any of those things. Um, and so it led me into this exploration of, of joy. And I realized that the bottom of joy is often playfulness. We tend to the more unhealthy emotionally, spiritually, physically, we get the more serious we tend to be. Mm. Um, and God, I believe God at the core is not serious. God is earnest. God is weighty. God is deep, but God is playful as well. And we'll see this, right? Edwin Friedman, who writes a lot about family systems theory, talks about how the more unhealthy an organization is, the less it plays. Mm. The, the lower on the food chain an animal is, the less it plays. Like reptiles don't play. Otters play, dolphins play, mm. monkeys play, right? But when we get too serious, we go into this like reptilian brain of like, no, we just have to get it done. Like I have to pack the lunches. I have to get the kids. We, you know, and the pandemic has thrown us into that out of necessity, right? It's like not playful when someone's wearing a mask, like a chin strap back when we all had to wear the masks all the time, right? Like that's not cute and playful. That's dangerous. That's scary. That's potentially devastating. Um, so we've kind of had to go to this reptilian brain. And now as we're walking, out of this pandemic? What does it look like to begin to hold some of those things with open hands a little more loosely and accept that invitation into the world of play? And the thing, the, the message I have for the busy parents and the busy professionals and the exhausted pandemic survivors out there is not that play is another thing to do. Mm-hmm. It's that almost anything we do, if we do it with a spirit of play, a spirit of whimsy, a spirit of creativity, it's easier, it's faster, it's more enjoyable, and there's more energy on the other side of it. Um, so it's not adding a new thing. It's not, and also you need to join a soccer league. It's, you know, while yeah. you're washing the dishes, are you listening to music you like? So you have a little spring in your step. Um, it's that simple, it's that easy. Yeah, yeah, I love that because I think like, I didn't think this about your book because I know you're not this way, but like sometimes when someone writes a book about like, this is something you should do spiritually, it's kind of like, Okay, <laughs> here we go. But um, I like, it's almost like you've described play as more of like, um, like a lens you see through than yeah. a thing to do, than an activity. It's sort of like how you do an activity, which I love, which is how love is or anything else we do, right? It's like, it's all in how you do something, not what you're doing. And I just, I love, I, honestly, like for me, a practice of play was reading your book because I just really love the way you write. You write in such a fun humor like I, I wish I had better adjectives for this and I don't have this horse in front of me but you're just such a fun writer and you, it's so entertaining to read and like a lot of times when I read you know like I, I don't even know how you categorize this but I guess like Christian self-help books they can be very dry and very just like oh, here's another thing I suck at and it's like I don't feel like that at all <laughs> I just I really love your writing and if you wrote about literally anything I'd probably read it so um 
And my next book is about broccoli. So look forward I to that. I love broccoli. <laughs> joking, <laughs> joking. <laughs> That's so funny that you say that. The other day I was making broccoli at dinner and my eight-year-old son was like, literally, I don't think there's anybody that likes broccoli. And I'm like, no, people like broccoli. But he was like, he was firm on the side of that nobody liked broccoli because he didn't want to eat the broccoli. I was like well, cutting it up and putting it on the roof. So just tell him I like broccoli and then he'll really never talk to me. <laughs> I will say that uh, Courtney that was one of the things that um was good for me that was at the beginning of the book was um the the difference between reason why you use playfulness instead of play um as your terminology because when I think of if, if you just told me to play more then I think that means you want me to like like you said go join a soccer league or a bowling league or I need to have more game nights or that kind of stuff. Not that those things are great if that is your form of play, but that's not me. I mean, I do, I do like to play sports, but like, it's not like, I don't like, it's not an act, a specific activity. It, playfulness is like incorporating it into what you're already doing, which is much easier for me to digest. Because if, if somebody tells me, well, you need to play more, which means you need to get out and like dress up and like go, I don't know medieval times. I'm trying to think of a cosplay or something. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> um, that's just not me. But to think about the things that I already do in my life and how to infuse them with playfulness is a lot easier for me to like um, get on board with and reconcile, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it lends itself to joy and connection, which are two yes. things that inherently just improve our day, improve our life. And my husband is naturally more playful than I am. And so often in a marriage, one will be more playful than the other. Often the moms are less playful just because we are like getting through life by our fingernails and we haven't slept a decent night in 10 years, right? Like it wears yes. you down. Um, but he has been such a good teacher for me as well. Our, our middle child hates his car seat with a burning passion. I get it. I would hate a car seat too, but he hates it. And so getting him in it is a struggle every time. And I share the story in the book of I'm trying to get him there and we're late for church and I'm all sweaty and life is terrible. And, you know, I'm fighting with him and I'm wrestling with him and he's giving me these <laughs> dagger eyes, these, oh, I've never liked you, mommy. And, and Daryl comes behind me and just taps me on the back. He's like, Hey, tag out. And I'm like, fine. And I go around the other side and Daryl leans in and says, Hey buddy, how fast can you get your arms in your straps? I bet you can't do it in five seconds. And in less than five seconds, the kid is in his car seat and I'm, I'm irritated because now I've been shown up by my husband who's always more playful. And he goes, you know, it, you, you have to play with him. And I said, we are running late. We don't have time to play. And there was this long pause and he looks me at me right in the eye and he goes, but, but my way was faster. <laughs> right. And that was, it just brought so much home to me that I think the direct way, the serious direct command of yep. parenting is, is going to be faster. And it almost never is, but a little bit of joy, a little bit of creativity. Let's see how many sidewalk cracks can skip over on the way to the mailbox, whatever it is is faster. It's better. You've made a connection rather than broken one. Um, yeah. but yeah, it's a learned skill. We have to give ourselves permission to do that again. We all did it. We all used to do it, but to say, I, I can channel that again. Right. And kids are great teachers. Um, but yeah, anything, almost anything we do, we can do it in a playful way. Yeah. And I feel like we just all kind of I feel like people who are playful aren't taken seriously. And so I think a lot of us just out of our own like pride have not wanted to be seen that way. And so we just think we have to be really serious. I mean, I remember even like some of my first jobs out of college, it was like, we were interns. Like we were like 
doing mediocre, mundane, stupid things. And we would all be like very like, Oh, I've gotten all my copies and they're collated. And it's like, you're not that important. Like just, but it was like, we were trying so hard to prove ourselves. And we do that just in life, not just work, but like, none of us want to be, I mean, playfulness is seen as childish, but really it, it, like your husband said, I mean, in, in our marriage, I'm the playful one. And my husband's very like, not that way naturally. And, um, it's true. Like our ways are quicker and it makes him insane. He hates it. Cause he's like, I just want the thing done. And I'm like, they don't work that way. Like we're talking about lenses, like a child's lens is such a gift to all of us because we have it too. We started with it and it went away. And that's like, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And we see that at the, like the upper echelons of innovation and technology are people who play. There's a story in my book about Albert Einstein and how, how playful he was. Uh, We're near the jet propulsion laboratory here in California. And now one of the things they look for in their candidates is not great test scores, top of your class. It's did you tinker with things as a kid? Were you allowed to take that watch apart? You know, do you have a story of playing in the garage with gears and learning something? Because it's actually a higher level of thinking. But you're right. We do tend to see it as that's childish, that's childlike. And we all know a person or two who can't turn it off, right? And they're just always goofy yeah. and you can't take them seriously. And you're like, yeah. okay, like we need to go to the ER. I need you to focus, right? Like, don't <laughs> yeah. Please do not drive your car playfully, right? Like there, there are limits around it. Um, but it is, it's being able to, to go there in little bits and pieces um, mm-hmm. to add that spark into your day. It's that little lift. It's that little, um, you know, there's a paper airplane on the cover of my book, my big, my yellow book, yellow is the happiest color. There's a yes. paper airplane. And, um, the book opens with that story of you're sitting in class and you're bored and you just want to go to sleep and it's hot and the teacher is bored. She doesn't even believe what she's up there talking about the war of 1812. And someone sends a paper airplane across the room and there's this moment, right? This spark of like, oh, oh, something is about to happen. Um, And that's what play does for us, this world of possibility and excitement and interest. And it's different for each of us. You know, some of us are goofy, silly, and some of us are, I need some solitude that lets some of us play best in nature. We all have our particular play style, but that playfulness can infuse almost everything we do. We're going grocery shopping. Gosh, this is a boring chore, but let's see if we can find produce this week that's every color of the rainbow and get it in the cart, right? Just little bits of, and think of the best sermons you've heard. They probably had something funny in them and it wasn't a comedy stand-up for 20 minutes, but there was some spark that grabbed you, that stuck with you, that then the words of Jesus were able to soak into your heart because your heart was open. Yeah. A playing brain, a playing heart is more absorbent. It's more awake. It's more aware. Well, because, yeah, we're so, I mean, we're, yeah, if you're happy, any, everything's easier, right? Everything's easier. How would you, like, exactly define play then? So playfulness, I got this from a play therapist. She's actually, her name's Malika Klell, and she's married to our senior pastor, and she generously gave me a lot of her time to talk things through, but she defines it as anything that brings us joy and connection, Mm -hmm. which is a huge category, right? Anything that brings us joy and connection. You seeing a ladybug crawl along a leaf, that's playful, right? If that brings you joy... If your kid wants to play bingo, that that's connection. Anything that brings it, you know, sex is playful, right? Yeah. Like all of these things are are elements of of play, which is what Rebecca was saying. Why I talk about playfulness rather than yeah. play, because play is we're either doing it or we're not. Yes, but yeah. almost anything we do, we can do it playfully. If you do play 
playful homework is so much easier for a kid than please just sit there and get it done. And I'm a surprise homeschool parent this year. And we are so excited that they're all going back to school next year because this was never a thing we thought we would do. It's been amazing, but we're also, yeah, we're, we're going back. Um, but I've tried to just, okay, kids do your school and we can be done by X time and go do something fun. And I tried that for all of September and most of October and it was a disaster. And I realized like, okay, they do it for an hour and then we need to take a break. We need to go outside and it's going to make everything take longer, but actually it's going to make everything easier. Um, for sure. Yeah. Um, I've learned that because my youngest is in second grade. So we're at the peak of like spelling word and preparing for spelling tests, you know? And so, um, the, just like me calling it out to him and writing it down, like it just, so we've started doing other things. Like he dribbles the basketball while he, you know, spell, you know, C A T. I mean, his words are harder than that, but you know what I mean? You get the gist or like tossing the ball, you know, or mm-hmm. jump roping while he says the spelling words, it goes so much better. He actually like looks forward to it. So I hadn't really thought about it until you just said that. Like I, I, those were ideas given by the teacher, right? I didn't come up with those, but she's a second grade teacher for a reason, you know, <laughs> so <laughs> she knows these things. Um, but it is interesting how, um, how, infusing that playfulness does and you know he he gets the spelling words faster and all of those things when to me the fastest way to do it would be for him just to write down what I tell him but um definitely he's catching on a lot better and he remembers it a lot better because of that so no that's good so why do you think so if I think about like traveling and going to other countries and stuff I feel like some countries and some cultures are better at play than others um and I feel like um this is and this isn't only an American problem, but I feel like it's, it is an American problem. And more specifically, it's an American church problem. Why do you think we Christians have trouble? <laughs> Which if, if, the, if play is defined, playfulness is defined, defined by joy and connection, like that should be like foundational to Christianity. Why do we struggle with it so much in the church? I think we've believed the myth that our faith has to be serious. Like these beliefs have to be at their core, fundamentally serious. And it is that difference between being deep, being weighty, being true and being deadly serious. Right. And I'm, you know, I'm a pastor. I'm giving my life to the church. I believe this to the core of my being. Um, But Jesus was playful, you know, and the Bible is full of like Psalms are poetry and there's movement and breath and wind. And I think when we decide it's about having the right answers above everything else, Mm -hmm. um, and that is what our faith is, that's where we start to lose some of the whimsy, you know, and all of these things are important. Scripture memorization and verses and creeds and bylaws. And, you know, I'm Presbyterian. We have a committee to form committees. Like we're very, you know, we're very orderly. Um, but sometimes that comes at the expense of the heart of the matter. Um, I have a wonderful friend named Sonia who shares the story in the book about, um, she's a professional actress and was like, what do I have to offer my church besides a dramatic reading once in a while? Like, what can I give to them? I'm, I'm a mom, I'm an actress. And she realized her church needed some fun. And so she would start these, you know, activities and events and fellowship gatherings and, um, And she would have to continually remind herself, no, this is the work of God. This is the work of God. I'm not preaching a sermon, but watch the connections happen in this room and the people get to know one another. And now they come back to worship and they're sitting with a friend and they're more dialed in and now they're interested in the Bible study. And you can't separate one from the other. 
Um, but I think sometimes in our doctrinal disagreements, we just drill down so hard on it's this or it's that. And which side are you on? And if you're not with me, we're, we can't even have fellowship. And there's more movement and nuance in in scripture and in the things of faith than often we are comfortable with. And I love how often Jesus shows up in scripture and people are basically asking him, okay, A or B, right or wrong, yes or no. And he's like, look at the birds. And they're like, that is not what I asked because he reframes and he tells a story. And that is our faith, right? It's constantly reframing for us. And that's why God calls us out of sin. It's like, no, this is a very unhealthy frame. Like, let us reframe this for you and walk in the way of flourishing. And let me tell you a story. And that's the faith, right? That's the faith. Yeah. I really like, um, I don't know if you came up with it, but I don't remember you quoting somebody. So I'm going to go with that. It was you. Uh, (laughs) Well, you you talked about in one of the chapters about how, um, um, joy as Christians um, is our native country. So like we're our, our, our native language, our native country is joy, you know, in Eden, joy was everywhere. Um, and then obviously sin um, took us away from true joy, but that's, that's our native country. And I think that as Christians, we forget that sometimes we forget that um, we, that is, that is who we're supposed to be. And that's who, and as, and when we become a Christian, Jesus calls us back to that native country. And then that's what we're moving towards. You know, the telos we're moving towards is, um, you know, is redemption and, and the redemption of the world and resurrection, which is joy. I mean, that's why I, that's why at Easter, the Easter season is supposed to be a joyful season because that's, that's the end we're going towards. But I think we forget that a lot because we get stuck in the mundane or like you said, we get stuck in doctrinal differences or, or fighting on Twitter about this, that, and the other, you know, about, you know, little, little nitpicky things. Um, and, and that steals our joy, um, away as Christians. So, um, it's good. I think we just have to be constantly reminded of that just like we need to be constantly reminded of the gospel and resurrection and all of that is that our, our native, our native country is joy, which I struggle with too. So (laughs) we get in the gospel should just naturally lead us to joy, you know, because yes. I mean, we're all worried about things that like, I, I read this quote one time and I, I can't remember who said it, but it was basically like, so you know where you're going when you die, you know, you're loved and forgiven. And like all of the like basic tenets of our faith. So it was like, how can you be worried any day in your life? If you take it to like the very end of all of your worries and all the things that you're scared about, the, the worst thing that's going to happen to you ever is you go to heaven. Right. So like, shouldn't we be living our lives with like such joy and such happiness? And I think a lot of times, I mean, we don't live in the security of Jesus and we don't live in the promise. And when you're, when you're nervous and like kind of getting scrappy about where's my, whatever coming from, if it's not coming from him, like you can't feel joy. I mean, I see this in my children all the time, you know, like if they're, they're the most playful when they've had enough to eat when they are rested, like when they, all their little needs are met, then they're like super, super happy. And it's beautiful to see. But like, I think we just, a lot of times we, we've forgotten, you know, we've made Jesus such a serious and, you know, important thing. And of course our faith is that, but it's also, we should be getting deep security from it. And that's, I mean, we can't be playful if we're not secure, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There, there was a great piece in the New York Times magazine around a year ago um, about the, the children of ISIS 
Um, and I don't talk about it in the book because it's very heavy, but it's a beautiful piece about how these children who have been so traumatized, you know, they go to these rehabilitation centers and all of these NGOs are working with them and trying to care for them. And that is when they begin to see the healing is when they will venture to play again like that. You know, yeah. the, if when they finally kick the soccer ball that's been sitting there for weeks that they have been too afraid to go. And so that's a really important point, too, is when our basic needs are not met to say, why aren't you having fun is is abusive. That's cruel. It's impossible. Um, And so I talk a lot in the book about Sabbath rest and how Mm -hmm. God starts with us there is, are you fed and watered and rested? You know, have you rested with me? Because I think especially in the early, early years of parenting, you are just so tired that that's where the fun drains away. And it's how do we recapture that now that when the kids get a little older and we're able to get a little more rest and that starts for us in Sabbath. And we my husband and I take Friday as our Sabbath because the church makes us work Sundays. So rude. And <laughs> that's part of the drill, I think. <laughs> I know. What's the deal? Um, so we take Fridays and we always find the first couple hours on Friday, we feel like tied up in knots. We are grumpy. We are angry with each other. We're short with the kids and we want to go back to work because that's what we do as we work. But by midday and as we get into the afternoon, every week, one of us is like, Sabbath is saving our life. Mm-hmm. And that is where the quiet joy starts to bubble up again. We've gotten a nap. We've had a snack. We've sat in the garden. We haven't been on a thousand really important, beautiful pastoral care phone calls that are a privilege, but we have to set that down once a week. And so, you know, for any of your listeners out there who are in that season of struggle, or you're caring for someone who's ill, or you're ill yourself, or you're not sleeping, you know, to just first, God wants to give you rest, like the play and the joy will come. But first, God wants to give you rest. Maybe the most playful thing you can do is take a nap. Yeah. Sorry. It's not a downer. That, uh, that was one of the things I wanted to talk about is, um, is how she, she talks about in the book about to play well, we have to rest well. Um, and yeah. And I think that's a hard one for me. Um, I know that's shocking, but like, I'm like, okay, so I need to be playful. So let's be playful, you know, and let's like check the stuff off the list and forgetting that like rest comes first um, is, is very, yeah, I have to, I have to be reminded on, on that more than like once a week. I think I, I need that more well, than and that, the- but and the rest brings the play, right? So if play is on yes. your list and you rest first, like the play comes, like the creativity comes back and the innovation comes mm-hmm. back. And the, you know, often I don't play with my kids because I'm so serious. I play, I don't play with my kids because I haven't taken the creative spark moment of like, how could we do this playfully? I'm like, just get your shoes on, right? Where if I get a minute, a restful minute to be like, oh, if I turn on their favorite song and we have a contest, who can do it faster? You know, like now we're doing a thing, but that takes enough rest that you can think about it, that you can be yeah. intentional about it. Yeah. Yeah. This is going to be, an, I, I promise I'm going somewhere with us. Um, <laughs> but I, I was actually listening to Matthew McConaughey on a podcast and he, you know, in his book, Green Lights, he talks about, he talks about, um, I don't know, I've not read the book. I've only heard like excerpts from it, but in this podcast, he was talking about, um, how, you know, sleep deprivation and rest, um, if, we, if we're missing that, if we're missing lack of sleep or we're sleep deprived or whatever, we, we struggle to forgive because what happens when we're sleep deprived and aren't resting, we become cynical and we become more judgmental of other people and ourselves. Um, and, it, you know, 
and, and then he talks about how sleep um, begets forgiveness. And that was the point of it. But it, it was... Okay, Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like making a, I'm making the connection here of that when I am sleep deprived, or not even sleep deprived, because my kids are older, I'm 11 and 8, like I'm hardly ever sleep deprived anymore. And usually now it's of my own doing because too much Netflix or something. It's not because of my children. But um, I don't really, I'm not sleep deprived, but I am rest deprived all the time. Yeah. And yes. so when I become exhausted, um, I do find myself to be shorter, more cynical, more judgmental of myself and others. And that, that is not a breeding ground for play. <laughs> when yeah. you're cynical and judgmental and unforgiving and all because of your lack of rest, um, it, it makes it hard to play. So that is a, it is a really good starting point for lots of things, not, not just playfulness, but I think, you know, um, a, a good sleep makes everything better. <laughs> and yeah. I think sometimes I, I think about, you know, just my relationship with my husband, you know, at the beginning of our marriage, we're, we're about to have 20, be at 20 years. And then the beginning of our marriage, I thought, oh, well, we need to argue until we get this over with, even if it's one o'clock in the morning. And I have learned, I, I know the Bible says not to get, not to let the sun go down on your anger, but there are times where I'm like, I just need to go to sleep. And, you know, and then I'll wake up in the morning with a fresh perspective. And I think rest and sleep, naps, all of those things give us fresh perspectives, which then helps us to be more creative and innovative and all of those things. And less of a mean person. <laughs> and I can't talk about something like playfulness without talking about like what gets in the way of it, because that's almost just as important as leaning into it as figuring out what the roadblocks are. Absolutely. And rest is a big one. And the other big roadblock is actually not being in touch with your own sorrow, your own grief. Mm-hmm. Um, people who aren't able or aren't willing to work through some of those darker feelings, it's harder to go high. Um, you kind of will have this baseline yeah. of your life. Brene Brown talks a lot about I was just you know, thinking working, that, yeah. Yeah, working you, through you your pain. them all. Like, when you yeah, yeah, because play is actually a really vulnerable thing. Like it's very hard to play deeply without putting yourself out there, which is why you'll see, you know, it's re- you can tell a lot about an adult um, by how they react to a child. And if the child comes up to them, they're like, "Ugh, you know, you got blueberry jam, like back off. Um, but are they able to go there? Are they able to go to that vulnerable place with that child who's offering yeah. that to them? Um because it, it says a lot about our own stuff, how we, how we react. And so the surprising thing to me in working through this book was that I had to work through a lot of my own sorrow and grief, Mm -hmm. um, and my, my shame around vulnerability to enter into play more fully. And folks see the book title and they're like, that looks so fun to write. And I'm like, it was excruciating. And then it was fun, right? It was really (laughs) hard. And then it was fun. Hopefully it's just fun to read, but the process for me of why don't I play and why am I so uncomfortable with these things? Um, it was a process and I'm very, very grateful for it. And it's a journey I'm still on. I always tell folks, my books are not how to books. They're like, Hey, let's go together books. Cause I'm not there yet either. It's a journey. That's why I love everything you write. I really do. I used to say they are me too books, but now that has a different connotation. So I don't say that anymore. So till next week, we are on Instagram at Woven and Him. We are on Facebook and Patreon forward slash Woven and Him. You can also email us fullywoven at gmail.com. And I'm Rebecca Pete, like the coffee brand. And you can find me at RebeccaPete.com where you can also find all my social handles. Yep. And uh, I don't want to be found. So just find me on the Facebook for our uh, podcast and the Instagram, but not my personal. Bye. Bye.